from API, this is Energy Tomorrow Radio, your source for information and conversation about the most important energy issues of the day. Welcome to Energy Tomorrow Radio. I'm your host, Jane Van Ryan. Over the course of the past couple of weeks, our website, www.energytomorrow.org, has received numerous questions about the exploration and production of oil and natural gas. And we've received a lot of advice, too. Let me say at the outset that we're glad to hear from you. We're glad that you care about this nation's energy policy. And we're pleased that you're writing to us. And today we've invited Doug Morris, API's Group Director of Upstream and Industry Operations, to address many of your questions. Welcome, Doug. Thank you, Jane. Dennis is a visitor to our website, and he wants a simple explanation of where we get our oil, where it's refined, and the amount of oil we might find if we were allowed to drill in the areas where the oil is believed to exist. Let's take those one by one. First of all, where do we get our oil, Doug? Over 40% of our crude oil comes from the U.S. Uh, Most of our natural gas also is produced in the U.S. Oil and gas is produced in more than 30 states, primarily in Alaska, and uh, offshore in the Gulf of Mexico. And we get quite a bit from Canada as well, don't we? Recently, we've had quite a bit of imports from Canada. Where is oil usually refined in this country? Where do you find refiners? Refineries are located throughout the U.S. It's a heavy concentration in the Gulf of Mexico because historically that's where most of the oil and gas production uh, was, was from. And if we were allowed to drill in areas that are currently off limits due to moratorium imposed by Congress... How much oil do you think we might find? Well, that's a tough question. We know that there are estimates of billions of barrels of crude oil available in these moratoria areas. These estimates are just estimates, and we really won't know until we get out there and explore. But if you look at from the standpoint that 85% of the OCS, Outer Continental Shelf, is off limits to drilling, I think you can see that uh, it looks like there's quite a bit of oil and gas production to be uh, developed in in the OCS. One question sent to us by many visitors to the website is, why should the U.S. allow the oil companies to drill in areas that are off limits when they aren't drilling in places where they already have the right to drill? Well, I think that's a misstatement. We are drilling where we have a right to drill. Uh, We have quite a few of leases now, that federal leases that are available to our companies. We have uh, active drilling programs, but the reality is it takes time to develop these resources. Some of these offshore leases take seven to ten years to develop. Some of these leases won't have any hydrocarbons located underneath them. So at any stage in the process, you're going to have a certain number of leases that are producing, some that are being developed, and some that are don't have any hydrocarbons located beneath them, and it will eventually return back to the government. So I, I think the opponents of, of, of drilling, of uh, offshore drilling, are essentially misstating the numbers. What does it cost to purchase a lease from the federal government? There's a range. If you're talking offshore leases, some of these recent lease sales companies have bid $100 million to obtain a, a one lease. Uh, so we're talking big dollars. Uh, our companies are in the business of producing oil and gas. They're not in the business of buying leases. The only way they are able to get a return on their investment is to actually produce oil and gas from those leases. So they have a strong financial incentive to do so. There are some members of Congress, though, who are accusing 
the oil industry right now of sitting on leases, of leaving them idle. If you if you don't see anything happening on a particular lease, does that mean it's idle? No. Again, uh, lease terms in the deep water areas of the Gulf of Mexico generally range to 10 years. To develop one of those leases will take 7 to 10 years. During that process, there will be a variety of activities that occur. Throughout that process, the companies are constantly evaluating a lease, lining up contractors, actually drilling. Hopefully, at the end of the day, you'll see a production facility in one of those leases offshore. But again, the reality is most many of these leases will, in fact, uh, not be developed because there's simply not uh, commercial quantities of oil and gas located beneath them. You're talking about areas offshore, and our next question really is about that. Gary wants to know whether there is any oil off the North Carolina coast, and he also wonders about the prospects of drilling on old oil fields, for example, in Ohio and Pennsylvania. Let's start with North Carolina. Do we know if there's oil off the coast of North Carolina? Uh, Well, that's a good question. Uh, In the early 80s, there were, in fact, leases that were issued to companies. I think they spent more than $300 million to obtain those leases. The problem is that they could not drill and develop those leases. The government restrictions prevented them from, from doing so, and eventually those leases were returned back to the government. Based on that information, we do think there's oil and sufficient oil and gas, uh, large oil and gas reserves off North Carolina. Well, what about Ohio and Pennsylvania? This particular person apparently is asking whether or not some old fields there could be drilled once again under today's oil prices. I think with the uh, current economics, you're going to see a lot of old fields uh, reevaluated and perhaps explored more. Uh, We have new technologies that we didn't have many years ago, Uh, horizontal drilling, new seismic techniques, et cetera, that will open up some of these old fields to further development. I think areas like Pennsylvania and West Virginia also uh, will see a lot of gas drilling there. There's some shell, gas shell areas there, which are showing a lot of activity, a lot of companies going in there and, and drilling these wells. And again, it's the new technology that's opened up these areas. Well, not only the technology is there, but I'm presuming the demand is there for more resources. Yes, especially in the natural gas area. Uh, the northeast is a area where there's a great demand for natural gas. So that means that areas like Pennsylvania and West Virginia are perfect for supplying the northeast with that material. And there's huge demand for oil right now, too. The focus right now in West Virginia and Pennsylvania is, is primarily gas. Some of these old uh, oil fields or have the potential to also be developed and also supply the energy needs for that uh, section of the country. Uh, here's another question for you. This comes from Frank, who says he is a Korean War veteran. He's wondering why our nation isn't drilling in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. His question is, why do we have to beg the Saudis for oil? when we have so much oil apparently available in Alaska? Well, that's a good question. I think he ought to raise that uh, issue with his congressman. I think uh, ANWR by itself uh, could produce perhaps 800,000 barrels of uh, crude oil per day. That would have a a significant impact on domestic production. And I think uh, that's something we definitely need to look at if we're going to have a a well-balanced energy policy in this country. 800,000 barrels, what does that equate to? Well, if you look at domestic production now, is about 5.2 million barrels per day. So you're looking at uh, a significant increase. 
Patrick is another one of our visitors to the website. He says that we as an industry should focus on the number of jobs that drilling for domestic oil could produce. Doug, do you know how many jobs are in the industry now and perhaps how drilling might impact those numbers? Well, I think uh, the latest numbers I've seen, it's slightly under 400,000 jobs in uh, related to uh, the EMP industry. EMP in being? Exploration production. Uh, overall, industry-wide, it's 1.8 million, just under 2 million jobs. So there are a lot of jobs tied into this industry. Obviously, increased production, increased drilling activities would increase the number of jobs. And I'd also point out that these are generally high-paying jobs. The, uh, I, I believe the salaries for oil field workers is typically twice the, the, the norm for manufacturing jobs. So these are high-skill, high-paid jobs. Ones that would be very attractive to people. Yes. You are a petroleum engineer, are you not? Chemical engineer, but I was a petroleum engineer for the companies. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Energy Tomorrow Radio. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Energy Tomorrow Radio, brought to you by the people of America's oil and natural gas industry. For more information about this podcast or to submit questions for future shows, visit energytomorrow.org. That's energytomorrow.org.